Yeah. So we talked about the kind of shift between the feudal system and the capitalist system and how they're slowly transiting from the feudal system into the capitalist system. You get a few people who are actually trying to go back to the old system, but they just can't have the political and the social kind of strength to enforce something which has already passed, right? And that's something that we find in all societies. When the society changes, you can't try to impose it. Uh, the values or the mentality or even the exploitation cannot be uh, got back when you go back to that society, right? So I think uh, that's the issue that we have, right? And we talked about uh, the uh, Piers Plowman and the idea of peace, right? And, uh, we talked also about the police force and how ill-policed things were. We also talked about the private armies people had, right? And uh, that's, uh, so the question is, what happens to the king? And is the king a kind of a tyrant who's got control of these people? Or there was no kind of organization where the army belonged to the king, right? Yeah, so you have that, uh, so, uh, the poem called Lochinbar, uh, yeah, so you have, and all, all the king's horsemen and all the king's men, right? Yeah, so that's uh, a kind of an indictment about the king's men, right? So you get a badge saying that you're the king's man, and what happens if you're one of the local leader's men, right? So that's something else that happens because the king's men and the local leader's men are two. the groups of people that might be opposed to each other the maybe the lords are paying more than the king pays right so all those kind of differences happen and this is a, a time when the formation of England is not really quite there right so for the armies all these people who are paid by private uh, lords would join in the uh, uh, in their arrangement right yeah so that's how you had a war and the question is, what kind of control does the king have over his subjects, right? Uh, yet the peasants profited as much as he lost by the absence of the police. Uh, we did all that kind of thing, right? And we're talking about, we talked about the military system and all these kind of things also, right? And we also talked about the idea of uh, uh, the priest, right? Uh, and the rich church and the poor church over there. Now, we're talking about what happens with the north, right? And the northern England, uh, Lancaster and all this kind of area, the Lake District, Lancaster, uh, all those kind of places, yeah, what is the kind of control that the king has over these places, right? And when we talk about the north, we are also talking about Scotland, right? Uh, we are talking about, yeah, and it's, it's, uh, you have the house of Lancaster, right? And you have the Stuart house and the Lancasterians, right? And uh, what's the other one? Uh, yeah, so you have the white rose and the red rose or the war of the roses, which we have in Shakespeare, right? That's of course a much later time, right? Uh, the York, the house of York and the house of Lancaster, uh, constantly have fights, right? And then uh, suddenly, uh, that's much later, of course, right? Uh, they they resolve their differences, and one of them becomes king, etc. Right? But the fight with Scotland, and as some of you talked about, we're talking about Braveheart, right? The idea of fighting with Scotland, and Scotland was an independent country, right? Uh, uh, that's a problem that you have with a lot of kings. Right? Yeah, so the fight with Scotland is like uh, a fight with Pakistan was fight with some some any of our neighbors, right? And the question is, uh, they have a different culture, they have a different language, right? And uh, uh, slowly the English managed to, uh, after the rule of James I, then they have something else which goes on, right? And that's why uh, here, Trevelyan is saying, uh, this state of things outlasted the Tudors who gave firm peace to the rest of England 
only after the union of the crowns on the head of James Stuart had made an end of border war. 1603, the peaceful manor houses begin to rise besides the castles and the peel towers of the north. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think maybe I should read the earlier part. Uh, but if the countries bordering on Scotland and King's Writ can scarcely be said to have run at all, war seldom ceased and cattle raiding never. On those roadless fells, society consisted of mounted clans of farmer warriors at feud among themselves and at war with the Scots. Right? Okay? No man looked to the king's officers to protect or avenge him. In the land of the border ballads, all men were warriors and most women were heroines. Right? Now, we're talking about something that's important for literature and that's called a ballad, right? And a ballad is a sung kind of song. And uh, in the 20th century, we have a man called Oscar Wilde who's written a fam famous ballad called The Ballad of Reading Jail, right? Uh, Reading Jail, and Reading is where he's put in. Okay, that's in the 20th century. But you have Barbary Allen, you have a lot of ballads which are ballads of Scotland, right? Yeah, and the north of England, right? Now, what happens in the north of England, we're not really talking about the British Isles. At this point of time, it's just England. And England has people who are, um, uh, so we have people uh, who are at the border, right? That's Lancaster and all the border, north of England, where the people are actually of a different kind, right? Yeah, and of course, what this book is saying is, even now if you go to the north of England, you, you get a different kind of people. They're very much more friendly. They're very kind and very humane, right? They're, they're not like the people who you meet in South England, right? So you'll actually find that there's huge difference, right? And of course, that's because of uh, a lot of social con uh, uh, issues, right? Yeah. Now, one of the issues is, that they have to fight constantly with the Scots and the king's men cannot look after them or cannot protect them, right? It's like our Prime Minister said, well, now you're on our own. First we were fighting the corona battle and now everybody's on their own. You fight your battle or you die or you live. That's your own kind of issue, right? So that's exactly where the issue of the people who are in the north of England, right? And they are actually to fight. And that's why you have Braveheart and all those kind of things happening over there. Of course, Scotland, right? And were the Scottish kings as powerful, right? Or were the barons of Scotland as powerful against the English, right? Yeah, so all those kind of issues come up, right? And we, uh, you, you have to fight for yourself. So you become a hero, you become a heroine, right? Because you, you fight against the enemy and you don't have... A, much of an army, right? And even if you are a poor person, you have to fight the, uh, these people around, right? Now that's something that's important, right? Because when we talk about social development, the border becomes a very important area where, which we are talking about, right? Like for instance, uh, in our own fight in the Chinese uh, aggression which we recently encountered and we are still suffering the Chinese on our territory, right? The, the Prime Minister says, there is no invasion, uh, but we know that's a lie, right? Uh, we actually, uh, the, the many people have already made representations to the government long ago, saying that these people are already doing all these things, right? Yeah. So we have a different centralized system, right? The English didn't have all these centralized things. The king was sitting at one place, right? And what happens to the subject? You don't have an army, or you can't send the army there, or anything of the sort. Right, because uh, you don't even have those facilities, right? So we're talking about England at that point of time, where this police system is weak, right? Where the military, the military is weak, right? And you still have the idea of a sovereign king, right? Which seems very strange and very difficult to imagine, right? Because how do you imagine a country like this, right? So, and that's exactly what it is, because everybody had to fight. In, in case anybody came and invaded, they had to use their own resources and fight, right? Yeah, of course, we might 
We've done that a long time in India. So we have to fight whether we get the plague or we get the flu or we get the coronavirus, we have to fight, right? To Chaucer, it was as an unknown, distant, barbarous land, much further off than France. Far in the north, I cannot tell it where. That, uh, there, the, the Perseus and other border chiefs were building magnificent castles to resist the siege of the king of Scotland's armies, right? Allenwick, Warworth, uh, du uh, Dunstanburg, Chipiske, Belze, right? And many more. Okay, so what's happening in the north is these are chiefs over there, maybe they're local tribal chiefs, right? They're actually building castles which normally only a king builds, right? And if you see a lot of Walter Scott's uh, or read a lot of Walter Scott's novels, you get all these ideas of the Lord and the Lord of the Castle, right? And this kind of feudalism is a, this is a different part of feudalism which is operating, where the Lord actually builds a castle and houses the people who are under him in the castle, right? And the fields are outside, and all those kind of things happen, right? So they're building castles to fight the Scots, to keep the Scots out from their territory. Right? The state of things outlasted the Tudors who gave such firm peace to the rest of England only after the union of the crowns on the heads of James Stuart had been made an end of border war. Did peaceful manor houses begin to rise besides the castles and peel to a, a peel towers of the north. Right? Now, this changes. When does it change? It changes only after James the first, that is in 1603, when James the first is made, uh, it's uh, so in 1601, I think it's he made the king, or two, right? Yeah. So after he becomes the king of England, right? England and Scotland are joined under a common ruler, right? And today they're talking about splitting Kong, uh, England and Scotland, right? Or Scotland getting an independent kind of a country, right? And that's after more than uh, more than 600 years, 500 years, right? About 500 to 600 years, right? So that's as as bad as it is, right? So you cannot say when a part of your country might want independence, right? Uh, we haven't really had that. Pakistan has experienced that with Bangladesh, right? Yeah, and I hope it doesn't happen in our case, but uh, we don't know, right? Uh, like for instance, not very long ago, uh, there's a province, Catalonians in Spain, they wanted an independent Catalonia, right? Yeah, after being uh, a kind of a, a country for so many centuries, they suddenly want to have an independent existence. The Basque, of course, say that they're not Spanish at all, they speak a language which is totally different, right? So they want to have their own kind of a separate country, right? So this is something that is interesting politically, right? Uh, when we're talking about the social history, we're talking also about how political uh, borders change, right? And what do you think of a border now? Maybe in uh, many, many uh, years more, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe in many many years more the border might look a different game and a different uh, kind of situation right the other thing that happens about borders is some of the territory sometimes belongs to one country and sometimes belongs to the other country right so and in India of course that used to be happening even in states right so uh, there is this place at the border of Karnataka and Maharashtra, which is called Belgaum, right? Now it's called, now it's with Karnataka, right? But it was a part of the Bombay state, right? There was no Karnataka then, right? So, uh, yeah, Karnataka, what was Karnataka and all those kind of thing, all that came under the, uh, the Madras presidency, right? And uh, Belgaum came under the Madras presidency and uh, from Belgaum upwards came up under the Bombay presidency, and in 1960, we had Gujarat and Maharashtra carved out of the Bombay presidency, right? 
and uh, uh, it's only in 1972 you have Karnataka state, right? Yeah, so at that point of time, Belgaum is given to Karnataka, and there were a lot of riots. I remember I was in school, right? There were a lot of riots and language riots, like you have between Bombay, uh, Maharashtra, and Gujarat, right? Yeah, and uh, the Gujaratis and the Maharashtrians killed each other on the road. There were absolute riots. It's not about religion, it's about language and uh, race and, uh, yeah, so all the, the, the identity of being a Gujarati and the identity of being a Maharashtrian, right, and ultimately Bombay went to uh, Maharashtra, right, but actually it might have wanted to, the people might have wanted to get into Gujarat, but uh, that's not what happened, right, and uh, yeah, so uh, we have all these border disputes and border areas and when we are talking about England, we are talking about a country right? and what happens on the border, right? Yeah, so the people who live on the border are different kinds of people because they have to put up with both sides, right? And we are talking about the medieval world where you feel, see a lot of people who come across the border, right? Sometimes they are spies, sometimes they are noblemen, right? And the idea is sometimes they might want to come and stay in for a night, right? Okay, and then they make uh, passes with women, right? All these kind of things keep happening, right? And uh, all these people at the borders, uh, uh, you have all these people who build castles, but you also have people who are the common people who see a lot of uh, a lot of strife and a lot of insecurity at the border, right? The lesser gentry had a square peel tiles, small copies of the castle of the great. There were no manor houses, a product of relative peace. The peasants lived in wooden shanties that the raiders burned as a matter of course, while the inhabitants and the cattle hid in the woods or sheltered in the fields. Right? So you have something called a peel, right? Which is a kind of a middle, mini castle, right? And that's where people live together, right? So when the invaders come, what they do is uh, their houses, the common people's houses were of wood, right? And uh, well, in India also they kept doing that. From the time of the Ramayana, you have this idea of burning a place, right? So you read a lot of histories about some towns in India, and they say that one king burnt the town down, right? I don't know why that's so important, but burning the town down, burning, burning the houses of the people, this is what is being done over here, right? And when the houses are burnt, they, with the cattle, they go and stay in the forest or the woods at that point of time, right? Yeah, and that's when you get the whole setting of Robin Hood, if some of you know the story of it, and please kind try to acquaint yourself with it, right? This state of things outlasted the Tudors, who gave such firm peace and rest to England, only after the union of the crowns on the head of James Stuart had made uh, an end of border war, 1603, did peaceful, yeah, 1603 is when he becomes uh, the king, right? Uh, did peaceful manor houses begin to rise besides the castles and peel towards Tard of the North? One result of this continuance of warlike habits amid a sparse population was that a, a greater familiarity between high and low prevailed in those wild regions and lasted into modern times, right? So now we are talking about high and low, right? Now that's an important social formation. Like caste is a very, very important social formation in India, right? And even religion cannot uh, dismantle caste, right? In fact, the Christians and Muslims who still practice caste, right? When there's no, uh, there's, there's nothing like that in the religion itself, right? So it's a, it's a a stronger kind of a formation before uh, yeah and it's got more than religion right yeah uh, one result of this long continue, uh, continuing and of warlike habits amid a sparse population was that a greater familiarity between high and low prevailed in those wild regions and lasted into modern times the moorland shepherds and the hind as the northern uh, farm hands were, were called uh, never became as subjects to squire and farmer as a proper laborer of the south in days to come. 
there were always a breath of freedom blowing from the moors, right? So they have a different kind of system, right? And people from the south, right, had nothing, okay? And people of the, the north had this idea of, uh, and it's called the hind, right? Yeah, uh, 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 they are the actual people who uh, live on the land and it's a kind of laborers, right? Yeah, so, but they're different from the laborers of the south because the laborers of the south uh, actually have all these different kinds of hierarchies, right? So, of course, there's the idea of the high and the low, whether it's the north and the south, right? And this whole idea of this uh, hegemony of the high and the low, upper, the lords and the, uh, yeah? So, the idea of being lord be and serving the lord and all those kind of things, that's something that is uh, what comes up over here. While the north was still armed and fortified for war, and while the marcher lords still relied on their castles to hold down the Welsh in the more civilized parts of England, it was no longer usual for lords and gentlemen to build fortress homes meant to withstand the siege of a regular army. Right? Now, in the past, these are the lords who had fortresses to keep away armies coming in. Right? But then, after some time, it was not viable to build all these kind of castles, right? So, you don't build a castle, right? Uh, while the Black Prince was ravaging France, war was no longer a normal incident in the English countryside, right? But local violence was always to be feared, whether from the retainers of a bad neighbor, the rebellious peasants of the village or outlaws from the green, right? Now the idea of violence is something that is very important, right? Uh, local violence is to be feared whether it's from the retainers of a bad neighborhood, right? So uh, the so one is the idea of people uh, who are in the neighborhood and they have violence. The rebellious peasants of the village, we talked about rebellions, right? And Richard III and all that kind of thing, right? Or, or Richard II, yeah. Uh, or outlaws from the Greenwood, modified, yeah. So the so the, the three kinds of violence you get is from the neighbors, from the peasants, that's rebellion, right? And then from the outlaws, people have run away and or they've committed a crime and they're called outlaws, right? Like we had Virapan in South India, right? Who was a smuggler and the police couldn't catch him and then at the end of it, they kill him, right? Yeah, so the outlaw is something that's very important in British history and in the social history of Britain because there are many outlaws like that. And the story of Robin Hood is, uh, it's called Robin Hood and there's many men, but all of them are outlaws, right? And they go around as a kind of, in a kind of olive green, which is the kind of military dress that you have, right? So if you're talking about the Maoist in Chhattisgarh and Orissa and wherever they are, right? So these would be called outlaws, right? Yeah, and what happens is uh, the this administration can't control the outlaws, right? So the lo and of course a lot of them depend on local people, local villagers and townsmen, right? Uh, and that's how they get the people are frightened, yeah, and they won't report them, and they would give them uh, food, etc., and for that they would give them protection in return, right? So that's uh, the whole idea of protection is a semi-feudal idea at this point of time, right? While the North was still armed and fortified for war, and while the marchers, the marcher lords still relied on the castles to hold down the Welsh in the more civilized parts of England, it was no longer usual for lords and gentlemen to build fortress homes meant to withstand the siege of a regular army. While the, okay, I finished reading that. The local violence, yeah, modified precautions were therefore taken in the domestic architecture of the day. The manor house that rose throughout the southern and midland countries was seldom more then two stories high, and they were not completely castle, uh, castellated, 
but they presented narrow slot hole windows on the sides that overlooked the moat across which entry was made by the drawbridge. The inner and safe, safer aspect that looked on to the enclosed courtyard had larger windows and more domesticated architecture. The courtyard was surrounded by suites of rooms. The demands of luxurious living had recently added more accommodation to the high hall parlor, the kitchens, which had met the need of a simpler age. Holes in the roof no longer sufficed to conduct the smoke of the heart away from the throat and eyes. Noble fireplaces were now built in the dwelling rooms and great chimneys in the thickness of the walls. But the farm and the cottage were still without chimneys. Near the manor house lay formal garden or ladies' uh, pleasurance, the traditional place for flirtation according to the poetry of the laws of love. Right? Now, we're talking about the social history and we're talking about architecture. So at one point of time, uh, in the north, people build little castles uh, to stay. Right? They are, in some ways, a remnant of feudalism. Right? And because of that, they, they build the manor house. And the manor house is actually the feudal lord. And the manor house is associated with the feudal lord. Right? Yeah? So that's a huge kind of house, which is double story. Right? And all the people, the serfs and the lord, would all stay in the same house. Right? And they would stock up their grain, they would stock up meat, they would do all those kind of things. Right? And you had everybody staying in there. Now that takes a transformation. Right? Because in the past, you could have uh, holes in the ceiling for the smoke to go out. There was no uh, gas and there was no kerosene fires. There was only coal fires and wood fires. Right? And it's a cold country, so you have to keep uh, yourself warm with, with the fire. Right? So that's one of the things that is happening. And slowly what happens is they build regular chimneys. Right? So that's uh, how the, the social structure changes. Right? So the social structure is not only about how people interact with each other, but it's also about the idea of uh, what kind of houses they live in. What kind of clothes do they wear, right? So all these things, and that's why social his, the social history of England is important for a literature school, right? Because we must know what kind of houses they lived in, what kind of clothes they wear, right? And we are talk, talking about uh, what kind of a kitchen did they have, right? Yeah. So all those kind of issues are very important. Yeah. Okay. So you have this garden for flirtation, right? That's again a part of the culture, right? Which is called the laws of love, right? So that's something that is not uh, looked down upon, right? Uh, so the idea of the garden and the idea of uh, a sexual relationship in the garden is not something that is uh, not a part of the culture, right? In hilly country, a moat filled with water. Okay, you know what a moat is? A moat is like a big. Uh, like a big river or a big portion of water around a castle, right? Uh, and uh, they didn't have crocodiles. I, I don't think most had crocodiles. But the, the thing is, it was very deep, right? So you had a drawbridge and you closed, when you pulled up the drawbridge, right, with a, a kind of pulley, right, or kind of crank, you wind it up and you pull it in, right? So that's that remains and you are sealed off so nobody can come into the castle and that's how you get your safety and this is what they have to do because of the murderers the 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 also the people are coming in from scotland right and that's how the houses were different right and that's why the castle has huge castle walls right uh, very well built so that nobody can come in right and you have of course holes at the side where you put your uh, so you can see what's going on outside, right? Uh, now they say that all these things were changed, right? And you have a different kind of house structure and that is something that changes the culture, right? So that's again to be noted. 
but there is also meat besides beef and mutton, poultry and bacon, the waste and the woodland swarmed with game. In the king's fortress, an ever-diminishing area and in the warrens and enclosures of lords and gentry, uh, which were always on increase and the deer and less game were guarded by severe laws and still more effectively by keeping uh, keepers who had administered club law of their own without bothering the king's courts. Poaching was not only the livelihood of outlaws, but the passion of men of all classes, gentry, clerks of the Holy Church, besides farmers and workmen seeking a pheasant or hare for the pot. Right? Now the question is, beef and mutton were available, that's farm farm animals, or what we call farm animals, right? But they also had meat, and if you don't eat meat, you are in trouble in a cold country. So they had meat in uh, the hare, the rabbit, right? The wild rabbit is called hare, right? So that's one of the things that they did. They also had beer, right? And they would get the idea of poaching was, was that you would go to the king's garden and poach, or you would go to somebody else's garden. Uh, a lord who had a, a huge estate, you'd go to his garden, and it's not only uh, fight, uh, uh, shooting, uh, what's it called, hair. It's not only shooting deer, but you have partridges and you have other kind of uh, ducks, okay, which fly, and they uh, they used to kill them and eat them, right? So that's something else that you have, and you need just one rabbit. Right? And that's how you uh, have your dinner. Right? In 1389, the Commons complained in Parliament that artificers and labourers and servants and grooms kept greyhounds and other dogs. And on the holy days, when good Christian people be at church, hearing divine service, they go hunting in parks, warrens and cronies of lords and others to the very great uh, destruction of the same. Evil indeed is the heart of man. Henceforth, let no man, lay man, with less than 40 shillings a year in land, and no priest or clerk with less than 10 pounds income a year be so bold as to keep sporting nets and dogs. So the statute decreed how far it was observed may well be doubted, right? There were moreover great regions of more fen and woodland where game was not strictly preserved and could be taken with little or no risk of challenge, right? Now the question is, we're talking about the laws, yeah, and you're also talking about the people who had hounds and other hunting dogs, and you have a law which is coming in saying a person with a less income than this, right? Uh, yeah, no layman with less than 40 shillings a year in land and no priest or craft with less than 10 pounds income a year be so bold as to keep sporting nets or dogs. Right? So you couldn't keep uh, nets or dogs depending on your income. Right? So that goes on with the idea of the higher and the lower. Right? Any questions there? Any questions? Okay, uh, we'll go on. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, now you have moors, you have the fields, that's called fen, right? And uh, woodland, and uh, so you, ha you don't have rules about hunting in the woodland at that point of time. Okay, now you do, right? All over the world, you can't hunt. In India, you can't hunt uh, a lot of animals, right? Yes, you have a question? Right, somebody's got a question. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah, please ask. So, like, uh, when we talk about the language of that time and how it was influenced by our new generation, we're talking about the Middle Ages, right? In the yeah. So, can we say that a uh, less educated person belonging to a lower class economy wise would call cow? Cow, cow meat and just cow and some of the newest lecture would 
was used, right? Because uh, horse meat was also eaten, but I don't know how many people eat ate horse meat, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know about that. If you want, we'll have to we'll have to find out, right? What word do they use, right? Yeah, or uh, is it just one word beef, right? I don't know if it's cow meat. Yeah, because for deer you call it venison, right? So what do you call partridge, or what do you call chicken meat, right? Yeah. So this is a great word that uh, 
yeah, and his father wanted to be the king, and then he, he marries Mary, Queen of Scots, right? And she manages to get rid of him because uh, he's a commoner who, well, I'm sorry, I, I don't know whether I should say all these things because, uh, uh, well, I'm going to say it because you've asked for, for it, right? Uh, you might like to read Stefan's wife, Mary, Queen of Scots, right? Uh, Stefan's wife was killed off by the Nazis, killed off means he had to commit suicide at the hand of the Nazis, right? Yeah, uh, he and Walter Benjamin, right? So he is a person who writes this book called Mary, Queen of Scots, and he's actually talking about Queen Elizabeth and uh, the first and Mary, Queen of Scots, right? Yeah, so of course, uh, Mary, Queen of Scots uh, had, uh, marries the Dauphin of France, right? That's uh, and he's called the boy king and he dies uh, of a hemorrhage maybe at the age of 18 or yeah, something like that, right? After she's married, she must have been married very young. Then she has to come back to Scotland, right? And uh, one of the things that uh, one of the things that happened when she, she was the, uh, uh, the princess, right? The dolphin's wife is uh, he gets the insignia of England also put on the French uh, on the French coat of arms, right? So that becomes a big issue, right? And Elizabeth I is very, very scared and frightened of, of uh, Mary Queen of Scots because Elizabeth herself doesn't have a real right to the throne because uh, her uh, uh, her mother uh, is. The, the question of the marriage and all that with Anne Boleyn is under doubt, right? Yeah, so the whole legality of who's going to succeed is a problem, right? And what happens is she's very, very scared of uh, Mary Queen of Scots. There's James's mother, who's Scots, a Scottish woman, right? And the Scottish Queen, right? And uh, what happens is she gets her imprisoned, right? And she gets her killed also, right? And she's put into prison at the age of 18 or 19, maybe, right? Yeah. And then she she's kept there till the time she dies at 58, something like that, right? 50, uh, 50 plus. <coughs> and the description, and then of course there's a plot that is hatched, right? That uh, gets a lot of people. And Mary Queen of Scots the Catholic, and Elizabeth uh, belongs to the new religion. That's Anglicanism, okay, or the Protestant Church, right? And they actually get a trick done, which is again about uh, it's planted, right? And uh, I don't know whether, and that's what Stefan Zweig says, right? And uh, he says that they either uh, had a fake, uh, a fake campaign to say that there was a plot, and Elizabeth therefore found it. She herself got this thing to be done, right? And I don't know whether Mary Queen of Scots replied or not, right? Yeah. So there's some issue that she was implicated into all this, right? And uh, uh, what Stefan's wife says is, if anybody knew about autosuggestion, right? Uh, autosuggestion is something that was very uh, innate to this woman called Elizabeth I, right? So what she did actually is uh, she got people to uh, put up this plot, right? When the death warrant had to be signed, unless you get the queen to sign it, you can't put anybody to death, right? Yeah. And she said, no, 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 I'm not going to sign it. She created a big kind of drama and suddenly in a fit, she signed the death warrant, right? Yeah. So Stefan Zweig says, if... Elizabeth had not put a queen to death, right? Then uh, the revolution in France wouldn't have happened. Marie Antoinette wouldn't have happened, right? Yeah. Uh, Charles II wouldn't have happened, right? All these things wouldn't have happened because the whole idea of regicide is something that is very important. Uh, is a kind of a, a real great crime that people think is also uh, moral, right? It's like patricide which is important for the Greeks, right? Yeah, that is, you, if you kill your father, that's why you have the story of Oedipus, right? If you kill your father or your mother, that's that's supposed to be a great crime, right? It's not a normal crime, right? If you kill a, 
kill a king. That's again a great crime, right? Yeah. Now, when one king, one uh, regent allows another regent to uh, have an execution, right? And that's exactly what happens to Mary Queen of Scots, right? Uh, then everything uh, crumbles and you say that, well, you can put a king to death, right? And you can put, a, uh, yeah, and of course the description that uh, Stephen's wife gives is terrible, right? Because it actually is saying that uh, you have these people who are very hard, hardcore Protestants, right? At the execution of Mary, Queen of Scots, right? And uh, one of the things that happens, according to him, is that uh, these people keep shouting when she's going to die, right? Yeah, there's a Protestant lobby, right? And uh, I think they allow, or she's allowed to have a Catholic priest or something. I don't know whether she's allowed to have a Catholic. I'm sorry, I read the book long, long ago, right? But uh, so they keep shouting and they try to ask her to denun denounce Catholicism when she's dying, right? And that's the way the medieval world worked, right? Uh, you have this uh, also in all religions. We have that in India, and you have that in England, and you have that in uh, in the time of Nabucodonosor, and uh, history is full of all these things, right? Yeah, so denounce your religion, right? Uh, so you have that in the Old Testament, in the Bible, the, the Maccabees, who said that they won't bow down and all that kind of thing, right? and they get killed, the scalps are taken off and all this, very, very gruesome kind of things, right? So that's, this is one, what happened with Elizabeth, right? Uh, with uh, Mary Queen of Scots, right? And of course, uh, Queen Elizabeth saw that Mary Queen of Scots never came to London. She kept her in castles outside London, right? So that's something that she did very cleverly, right? So that, to see that if she had come to London, there could have been an uprising and people would have said, well, make Mary Queen of Scots the Queen of England and Scotland, right? So that's why she didn't uh, get them in, right? Uh, so that's a problem. And that I learned only when I went to uh, uh, the UK and I asked one of these guys when I was going around the Tower of London. So uh, this is what this man told me, right? And uh, it looks very uh, much there, right? This uh, seems to be very, very plausible. And I think... Uh, Stefan's wife also said they never met, right? Though the movie version of it, which is with uh, Steve McQueen, right? Uh, he acts as Lord Darnley, right? So uh, uh, that shows that Elizabeth and uh, Mary Queen of Scots actually meet, but they never have met in life, right? Yeah. So that's uh, what you get. But the the, uh, the execution is terrible, right? Uh, normally, when you executed a person, like for instance, if you go to the, the Tower of London, right, uh, the, uh, all these guides will tell you that, uh, and they'll show you the place where Anne Boleyn was executed, right, yeah, and they'll tell you one thing, that Anne Boleyn uh, uh, was actually a favorite wife of Henry Eighth because he got a special executioner from France to execute her, not with an axe, but with a sword. Right? Okay? I mean, I don't know what's special and how is she a better wife. But uh, the idea, and when you read Stefan Zweig's account of Mary Queen of Scots, which is taken from historical sources, right? Of Mary Queen of Scots execution, at one side you have all these people saying denounce the church and die denounce the church and die and she said I won't I won't okay so this is a very very dramatic kind of and very dramatic also right and um, the person who was chopping a head off at a scaffold right if he doesn't um, what's this called uh, sharpen his axe then that's a terrible thing and that's exactly what happened to her right so they hack and hack and the person is half alive and half dead and you're hacking at the uh, uh, the, the neck, right? Very, very terrible, right? So all those descriptions you will get in uh, Stefan's wife. And then he says, uh, they should wear wigs, right? So you have a wig, right? Everybody would wear a wig, right? So you have your hair and you wear hair is under a wig if you're a person of status, right? And as a queen, 
she definitely had a wig, right? And you have to show, after the execution, you have to hold the head up and show it to everybody, right? So one of the things that happened is, when that happened, they caught hold of the wig, right? And the head fell down, okay? So these are very gory graphic details, right? And you found that there was a poor old woman, right? And it's, it's even worse to think that from the age of 17 or 18, she was in prison, right? Or whatever, whatever mistakes she had done, or whatever uh, follies she had, uh, had, were before the age of 21, right? Yeah? And when it comes, uh, and she's incarcerated in prison for such a long time, and uh, the, the winters are cold, right? And uh, to be, even if you're a queen, uh, the winters are terrible, right? And if you're in a stone castle uh, and you don't have warmth, etc., then that's not easy to manage, right? So, uh, well, I'm sorry I went off on that note. But then, uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth is the godmother, right? Yeah, uh, officially, she's the godmother of James I. And when James I uh, uh, actually becomes the major, or Elizabeth dies, yeah, the minute Elizabeth dies, James I is made into the King of England and Scotland, right? Yeah, so that's when uh, the strife between Scotland and uh, England uh, ceases. Yeah, so from 1603, Scotland and England have no wars, right? But otherwise, a lot of energy is spent in the wars, right? And you have the War of the Roses between the House of York and the House of Lancaster, right? Yeah, so you have all the Henrys and that's the War of the Roses, right? Yeah, and because one has got a white, uh, yeah, the House of Lancaster and the House of York, right? Yeah, so, and those things come up in all Shakespeare's plays, right? Uh, yeah, so this, the son of York, the noble son of York, and so one is the red rose and one is the white rose, I think, uh, I think Lancaster is red and York is white, right? So that's why it's called the War of the Roses, right? Yeah, so that's it, right? Yeah, so uh, I don't know if I've answered your question, but uh, yeah, so that's when it uh, it changes, but then we're talking about a time much before that, right? We're talking about a time uh, when uh, you still have the, the formation of England, which is not definite, right? Uh, and this is the kind of thing that we're talking about over here because we're talking about the fact that uh, the the residences of people were burnt. This was on a on quite a, a normal level, right? Whenever you had a fight with Scotland, right, the poor people would actually be the sufferers, right? Their houses would be burnt, they would run out with their sheep and cattle and move out, right? So that's a big issue uh, as far as they are concerned. And that's the old, the common people, right? So that you have to look at what kind of houses did they have, right? And then you have the idea of the chimney, and that's something that happens very in maybe Chaucer's day, right? Where the chimney comes up, and they build a chimney in every house. Otherwise, uh, you had holes in the roof where the smoke uh, escapes, right? I don't know if you've seen that in India. You, uh, I don't know if you have, but I have, right? where you have these houses, the little houses where you have the roofs and you have all the, the smoke uh, if they have a wood fire, the smoke keeps coming out of the roof, right? Yeah, so uh, that's a kind of scene that you normally have but then the, for the, uh, the common people, yes, that was the scene but for all these people who could afford to build houses you have the idea of the, uh, the chimney, right? and then later on you'll have the idea of the chimney sweeper coming in and people actually being uh, small boys actually being used to climb up and clean the chimney, right? Yeah, because uh, uh, an adult can't climb up the chimney, so you need all like the people who weave Kashmiri shawls or we make beadies, right? Uh, so you need only young people to do that, right? And of course, that's child labor and becomes a big issue in England, right? But uh, 